With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is uh, 10.02 on this side of the Tasman here on SENZ and uh, really pleased to welcome in uh, a fellow that uh, does some absolutely magnificent work in a corresponding show in Australia. That, of course, is uh, the legendary Jared Waitley, who uh, has a wonderful pedigree in uh, calling all sorts of sports, uh, AFL incredibly well, and, and also, in fact, you'll see him on the AFL shows, uh, on the magazine shows coming in on uh, New Zealand telecasts over here, and, of course, um, certainly part of uh, SEN's uh, cricket commentary team, the main man, in fact, um, and I'm really pleased to say that he's uh, joined us now. And Jared, we played that little Crimea a River theme just for you. You could have had the Ella Fitzgerald version, but we gave you the Justin <laughs> Timberlake version. Smithy, thank you. Yeah, these have been uh, fractious times between Australia and England, as they always are in the ashes. And now we are just bathing in England's salty tears. Bathing, 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 and loving it. I, I watched the the whole of uh, your your equivalent to my sermon, uh, and I thought that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I've got to say, mate. Hey, uh, it's been a fascinating series, though, hasn't it? Hasn't it just produced everything we wanted it to? It has, probably bar the the adequate climax and and triumphant moments at Old Trafford either way and it doesn't get us to the Oval 2-2 so separate to the parochialism I think the lure of having this alive for one deciding test match in the Oval was so rich that people have probably lost their minds a bit in the in the hope and desire that it would get there it's also had this weird dynamic Smithy as it feels like we've traded national characters during this. It's sort of a bit Freaky Friday. It's been weird as England have been front foot, dominant, bold, confident. Australia have been defensive, um, bit bit cagey, just trying to figure out, and, and a little bit apologetic. And I think the risk yesterday was that Australia would spend the whole day apologising for retaining the urn because a, a test match was washed out, as if no test match had ever been washed out before in England. And maybe what most I found most galling was the exact circumstances had transpired 10 years ago at Old Trafford. England were the beneficiaries of the washout, and they were they were unapologetic. They were triumphal in rejoicing in in England's dismal weather that came to their aid, and then it, it seemed like it was completely Australia's fault that uh, that the same had the same opportunity had opened up for us. Jared, what I've found uh, quite intriguing in this series, in particular, actually, and it just goes to show how much the Ashes means to uh, Australian and England cricket fans, is the fact uh, I don't think I've seen an Australian captain or an Australian performance. Uh, subject to more scrutiny from uh, the general public and former players uh, in terms of tactics, as I've seen in this series. And part of what's happened today, Smithy, is that Australia retained the Ashes and its captain is under fierce pressure. England's captain is being lionised 
having failed to secure the urn. So that that runs totally counter. I, I will say that the two days at Old Trafford, days two and three, I can't remember an Australian team being roughed up like England's in in my time following the game. It, they were they were a chastening couple of days of cricket, and it probably took us right to the heart of that. Why are fast bowlers very rarely captains? And Australia's only had one test match captained by a fast bowler prior to Pat Cummins. And and some of that played out is when those long days present, when you completely lose control of the game and are getting brutalised by a batting lineup, and your own bowling is off and then you have to worry about the whole circumstance of the game as well. It, it really was too much for Pat Cummins on those couple of days. Now, he doesn't own that singularly and that point has been made in the aftermath by by coach and by teammate and uh, alike. But that's how it happened on the field in real time on the day. And so that there's the question around the, the long-term viability of that. Cummins is the best fast bowler in the world. If you saddle him with so much, can he not do it? And he ended up dropping a catch as well. So mm. he just couldn't He couldn't escape the fog. And you would have seen so many captains. You would have lived it, I'm sure, where the fog descends. Um, but when you're the frontline bowler as well and you're bowling as poorly as you ever have, that, that confluence of events proved to be uh, both overwhelming and it would have been disastrous had it not been for the rain. Jared, um, you and I have both been around long enough to know uh, when the captains do come under pressure. And we've seen this, uh, and I'm not just pinpointing Australia, but twice. Uh, I can remember earning an Indian resignation and tears from an Australian point of view. So uh, it's, it's a tough, it's, it's not an easy job to have. It's a very, very tough job uh, to have and to succeed at uh, 100% of the time. He is also, though, part of a selection panel, uh, which, uh, to my mind, uh, may have erred in not playing a spinner for the first time in, what, 102, 103 tests. Oh, OK, he's young, this boy, uh, Todd Murphy, but you have to show the faith, I think. Uh, and, and that's been Australia's game plan. That's where he, he drifted so quickly from there. It's impossible to escape the idea, Smithy, that Australia chose a team not to lose in three days, that they knew the only way to to not secure the Ashes was to lose and the forecast was unerringly accurate that there would be three days of cricket and England is the sort of team that can force a result in that time. So I think Australia cut its cloth for a really peculiar and particular circumstance and it didn't actually suit the way that they played but mm. they didn't lose the game. So I fully expect Murphy to play at the Oval. I think there'll be a lot of there's going to be a lot of revisionism over this series, but the injury to Nathan Lyon at Lords strikes me as the moment. And Australia did a, I think, a phenomenal job to win that Test match at Lords without him. Uh, if, and they they still needed uh, maybe 16 wickets at that stage. So uh, he is he's not nicknamed the goat without good cause, and he's left an enormous hole. Murphy is Australia's next frontline spinner, but he's not quite ready yet for as particularly for the onslaught that England offers with their baseball style. So uh, he should play at the Oval. Australia needs to go back to a more balanced attack, play one all rounder, play the spinner, and see who's fresh enough, who's fit enough uh, in the quick brigade. To play a test match that so the trophy's decided, but everything else is on the line at the Oval. Is it's not just bragging rights. I do think it is. It is superiority is on the line in this test match. So it's it's not oddly it's not diminished by the fact that the trophy is not to be determined there.
Hey, Jared, uh, I guess the other issue around Australia's team selection at uh, the Oval will be one David Warner. Uh, did yeah. he do enough with a couple of starts to get himself through the whole Ashes series? So I find this one hard, Smithy, because he wouldn't have been in my Ashes squad. As I think Australia and Warner made a mistake in not retiring at the end of the home summer. He should have been chaired off at the SCG after his double century at the MCG as his valedictory innings, a man who'd, who'd given everything that he could. But having not done that, then Australia and Warner sort of have, have checkmated themselves. Is Warner's just done enough to be picked, but he's not giving them enough at the top of the order. So par feels like 32 to 36. Is when did Australia have its opener just trying to knock the shine off the new ball? I... I do think there was a lot of crossing fingers and hoping, and it really hasn't worked. It's only, There's one test match where it's been an abject failure, and the rest, it's been okay. But when was it ever about being okay with the openers? So I think I think Australia's got itself into a really tight spot with one of its, its greatest ever openers. There's no point dropping him for the last test now. That decision is a long way in the rearview mirror. But again, everyone's just going to hold their breath and cross their fingers that he just gets to mid-30s and it doesn't look embarrassing for everybody. Let's hope so, uh, because he's been better than that, and a lot, particularly with the bat anyway. There's been some issues around David Warner, we all know that. Um, but there'll be something, uh, when he doesn't walk out, there'll be something missing. You know, we yeah. know that for a, quite some period of time. Hey, Jared, just a couple of other quick matters. We know you, uh, we thank you for your time. We know you've got to finish off your prep for your own show. Uh, the Women's World Cup has really taken hold in this country, um, uh, amazingly so with attendances and viewing figures. And, of course, on the back of we've got a good result first up. How about over there without Sam Kerr? Yes. Same here, Smithy. So I can't, I can't describe to you the disappointment that swept the nation in the ninety minutes before the opener. Is this has had? It's felt like it's had the build-up of an Olympics, and all our energies channeled in one direction. And the signature piece of that for Australia is Sam Kerr. It's still wretchedly unclear how severe the calf injury is and whether she'll get to play a meaningful role in the tournament. But um, attendances, the the excitement. The vibe, the knowing that this is part of part of history, what it represents not only to football but to women's sport. So, did I see that we've just ticked past the 1.5 million tickets have been sold mm. for the tournament? Uh, I, this will this will grow and grow, and yeah, that is you. Your experience is our experience. We are so wholeheartedly in the corner of the national team, for hoping first that they get through the qualifying stage, and then those knockout games will be. They're going to be extreme moments. And if Kerr could get back and play a role, I, I feel like it could be one of the defining acts in the history of this of sport in this country, which is so rich. That That's how high the, the stakes and the platform and the stage is. It's just she hasn't been able to be part of it through injury, which strikes me as the most untimely injury that's befallen us. Yes, it is. Uh, very, very unfortunate. But uh, there's depth in the squad, and uh, they'll go good. Uh, they'll go very good. I, I just wonder, just finally, too, there's a little matter from our point of view anyway of this, uh, the All Blacks playing the Wallabies uh, this weekend yes. <laughs> at the MCG. I just wonder if Melbourne realises that. Yeah, there's going to be 70-plus thousand at the MCG. Um, we have a degree of fatalism around the Bledisloe Cup for the moment, which the only way to change that is actually to lift the trophy. And 
<laughs> that feels like a little way off. So Eddie Jones is, as you would well know, he's such a charismatic figure. So a bit like Ange Postacoglu when he was in charge of the Socceroos, Eddie will be able to galvanise people around the Wallabies, but the results have to be there to give us... If you if you hand your heart over to these sorts of games and invest your emotions in these results, there has to be the chance that you might win. And I feel like we are so beaten down by the recent history against... Oh, it's not even recent history, is it? By the long-term history against the All Blacks that it, it is a struggle for us all to go, right, are we putting our hearts on the line tonight or not? Are we just going to have it torn out again? And, you know, the last time it was in Melbourne, there was a really peculiar penalty at the end, which eluded a lot of us. So, yeah, be a great spectacle at the MCG. I feel like we are less optimistic uh, when it comes to the Bledisloe Cup these days and with good cause. But if, if Eddie Jones can... Uh, he'll be a bigger figure than the players in this. I think it has the potential to be one of those really interesting moments where the, it's the coach that will galvanise rather than the, the star players necessarily. And I don't know whether that's good or bad, but oh, give them strength, Smithy. Give them strength. <laughs> hey, before we finish, can I ask you, I'm so interested in an independent observer's take on this Ashes, and I, I've heard you at various stages. I loved you the day after Lords while we were all invested on national lines. How are you seeing it as an independent observer who knows the Ashes history? Look, I'm seeing it as a riveting series. Uh, one for the, the spectacle and the competition. I've loved the little sideliney things. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, the Kerry thing uh, was intriguing to me. Uh, people said, "Would you have done it?" I, I don't think we. I'm trying to think back to uh, my days of playing. I, I don't think I ever considered that. I, I probably wasn't that sharp of mind to think about it. I was just happy to to catch a bouncer and throw it the first slip and let's get <laughs> get it back to the bowler as quickly as possible. Never. I'll be honest with you. I never. We never really thought of it that way. Um, but uh, you know, that's the modern game and the rules are the rules, and uh, that's that's the way I took it. And it's it's just been one of many little contests uh, I've really enjoyed. Of course, we're heavily invested in it, Jared. Uh, because of Baz, because uh, of Brendan McCullum, yeah, uh, he was, you know, was the, he was the host on this breakfast host on this show when we first kicked off. And God knows, uh, the phone rings and all of a sudden he says to Hutchie, uh, "Mate, I think I've got a better job than you've given me, yes. so I've got to go and take it." Uh, so we're heavily invested in this over here. There's been an immense amount of interest. I um, was desperately disappointed uh, from a cricketing point of view that we couldn't see the cricketers uh, sort of that. I always out uh, am uh, with the rain anyway, mate. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I just think the way. Um, cricket's the better for it, put it that way uh, I think the series has been outstanding I think some of the skills have been outstanding and I, I just, there's been enough controversy to say to me, long live the Ashes long live Test Cricket I, I think it's, you know, and that's at the root of the whole thing is Test Cricket's under a bit of pressure uh, and I don't think this series has let Test Cricket down at all mate, to be honest yeah, that's a great summary to hear from your side of it. Knowing that you will be in Baz's corner, we, we accept that. But perhaps that's <laughs> perhaps we're better off like that anyway. <laughs> and, and in terms of the in terms of the Bledisloe Cup, um, can I just say one thing to you, uh, Jared? Mm. Cry me a river. Yes, very good. <laughs> 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 great to catch up, mate. Great, great Good to catch up, and uh, look forward to it maybe over the summer as well. Thank you, man. Thanks for your time. Excellent. Thanks.